We have an anchor that keeps the soul steady. The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. In this book, 2 Corinthians, Paul is being questioned about his apostleship. There are many people that are questioning the credibility of his apostleship in Christ. They are scrutinizing him. And so, interestingly, in chapter 13... Paul turns to them and says, examine yourselves whether you're in the faith. Sometimes it's good to just step back to reflect upon where we are, reflect upon where we're headed. Many of us are familiar with situations in the corporate world where at the end of the year, the boss, supervisor, the man or woman in charge will sit down and talk about our performance, how we've done over the course of the year. Have we met our obligations? Have we been prompt, responsible? Things like that. We understand that that's an important part of the work world in their basis of our pay, our performance. But imagine if you can, sitting down with your employer, and he or she saying to you, evaluate yourself. Tell me what you think about the job you've done over the course of the year. How would we respond? Let's just suppose that our employer, our boss, supervisor, let's say that they have a full knowledge of everything that we have done and possibly not done. Again, how would we answer? Knowing that they know exactly how we've done our job. So let's just talk for a moment or two about where we stand as members of the body of Christ. And so what I want to do today is ask this question and answer it from a biblical perspective. So I want to begin by asking you, where do you stand in your relationship to the Lord, because we have a relationship to Him. And there are some terms that are used to describe us as a part of the body of Christ. So if you were to rate yourself, to introspectively evaluate your life, where would you say that you stand as a servant of the Lord? It's interesting to me that when the Apostle Paul wrote to the saints in Rome, he began his letter by saying, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. He went on to say, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God. Let's just back up for a moment. Paul was first and foremost a servant of God. Was he an apostle without question? Was he a preacher and teacher? Yes. What about a missionary? Matter of fact, some would say that Paul in his missionary endeavors traveled some 10,000 miles or so. Paul was all about preaching and teaching. And then some would say that Paul was the inspired author or writer 
of 13 of our epistles in the New Testament. That would be half of the New Testament. So Paul was a preacher, an apostle, a teacher. He was an inspired writer, missionary, had all these great works going. and could have claimed to have been any number of things, but first and foremost, Paul said, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. In the days of the Roman Empire, there were many people who were servants or slaves. But their slavery or servanthood was not of choice. But rather, they were made to be slaves. When we talk about Christianity, though, we choose to become a slave or servant of Christ, don't we? Again, to the very people that Paul wrote in Romans chapter 6, in Romans chapter 6 Paul said, but God be thanked that whereas you were the servants of sin, he said, you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine delivered to you. And being set free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. So as a servant of God, as a servant of Christ, how would you rate your service in the kingdom of God? If you were sitting across the table from Jesus and He were to evaluate your life and He said, tell me about your service. Tell me about some of the things that you're doing in my kingdom. What would you say? Now the Bible says we've been created in Christ Jesus under good works. Paul would say in Titus chapter 2 that we are to be zealous of good works Paul would go on to say in Titus 3 at verse 1, we're to be ready unto every good work. Service is just a part of Christianity, isn't it? Matter of fact, we might say the Christian life is all about service to the Lord Jesus Christ. But we choose to be a servant. Remember Matthew chapter 25? When Jesus there pictures the great and final day of judgment, He said before Him would be gathered all nations, He'd begin to separate them as the shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. To those on the right hand, he would say, I was hungry. And what'd you do? You gave me something to eat. He said, I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. Naked, you clothed me. A stranger, you took me in. Sick and in prison, you visited me. Is that a picture of you? Are you doing what you can in the kingdom of God as one of His children. And you know, sometimes it's easy for us to evaluate the efforts of other people. And it might be the case that we're very honest and candid in how we look at the lives of other people. We see their strengths, weaknesses, their failures, their successes. But what about when we look at ourselves? When we look in the mirror, what do we see? You know, in Revelation chapters 2 and 3, the Lord Jesus Christ sized up the seven churches of Asia. Three of those congregations particularly had some spiritual faults. The church at Ephesus, they had left their first love. Some of the saints in Sardis, they were identified as spiritually dead. To the saints in Laodicea. Jesus said they weren't hot, they weren't cold, they were lukewarm. And yet, 
another congregation, the Lord Jesus identified their latter works greater than the first. So here were some that were working and serving the Lord. So you, individually, where do you stand? Outside the realm of worship, what are you doing to contribute to the advancement of the kingdom of God? Think about that. And think about where you stand in your relationship to the Lord and His kingdom. A moment ago we sang about being workers in the vineyard of the Lord. Someone said many years ago, the kingdom of God is not a dormitory where people sleep, but rather it's a vineyard where people work. True assessment. Number two, first, where do you stand? Where do we stand as servants? But number two, let me ask this question. Where do you stand as a soldier? Did you know that the world that we live in is under the God of this age, and that we are involved in spiritual warfare. Not many people like conflict. We certainly don't like warfare. And yet we hear Paul saying in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on life eternal, whereunto you have made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. The Bible tells us that the devil walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he might devour. Paul would tell us to be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. We are to put on the whole armor of God that we might be able to stand against the wiles, the schemes, the methodologies of the devil. You remember he went on to say, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. In other words, we're not involved in carnal conflict, but rather Our warfare is spiritual in nature against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual wickedness in high places. So here we are as children of God, and we are, as Paul would say, to endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Would you say you're a good soldier? How would you rate yourself as a soldier on the battlefield. Are you loyal and true? Have you taken the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, a weapon that is offensive and defensive in nature? Do you have the shield of faith whereby you can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one? Let me tell you what. The devil is doing his dead level best to destroy us. He's got the world, but he's after us. And we can resist him, and as James said, he'll flee from us. We can also invite him into our lives. And yet Paul would say, neither give place to the devil. In other words, do not give the devil any more real estate in your life than he already has. So where do you stack up as a soldier? Offensively, are you trying to advance the kingdom? Defensively, are you standing firm in the faith of Almighty God? 
Are you standing true to the commitment that you made to the Lord Jesus Christ? As that servant of His? Remember what Jesus said in the long ago? Jesus said during His earthly ministry, He said, in this world you'll have tribulation. Encompassed in the tribulations of this life are temptations that we face every day. So we're on the battlefield. There have been a lot of folks that have died on the battlefield in days gone by. About a month ago when we celebrated or remembered D-Day, had the opportunity to listen to a gentleman that was well up in years, in his 90s if I recall. And he had been one of the soldiers that had stepped off one of the boats at the beach at Normandy. And he said that the commanding officers told the soldiers, they said, we've got to have allies on that beach. So when you leave this boat, this vessel, and as you make your way to the beach, the commanding officer said, when people drop to your right and left, if someone falls beside you, you keep going. You do not stop. You do not help them up. We've got to have people on that beach. He said there was a young soldier he remembered lying on the ground, 17 years of age maybe, wounded severely. He said, I remember him crying out, I want my mom. War's tough. There have been a lot of people that have paid the ultimate price for the freedom that we enjoy in this country. Jesus paid the ultimate price to free us from sin and death. As long as we live in this world, we're on a battlefield. And we can't afford to die on the battlefield. We've got to be faithful to God until the very end. Didn't Paul say in his closing letter to Timothy in the long ago, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. No, what he said, I fought a good fight. So we have to, as Paul would say, wage a good warfare. Number three, where do you stand as a student of the Lord? One of the great things that we are to do as children of God, once we become one of His people, is to grow in our knowledge. Peter would say, but grow in grace and knowledge in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. There is this ongoing quest for knowledge and growth in the kingdom of God. So won't you just think for a moment or two about where you are as a student of Scripture. And again, let's just say that the Lord is interrogating you or just having a conversation with you. And we're to ask you, how would you rate your knowledge of my word? What would you say? The Bible talks about in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7, those who are novices in the faith. Now, we all have to start at the same place. When we're born into the family of God, we begin as a spiritual infant. 
But Peter said, as a newborn baby, desire the sincere milk of the word that you might grow thereby. You remember the Hebrew Christians to whom the writer addressed his letter. Many of those Christians were going back to Judaism. Some had already gone back. So the writer is stressing the superiority of the law of Christ to the law of Moses. But he said there were some who rather than being at a point in time when they could have been teaching others, needed someone to sit down and to teach them once again the ABCs of Christianity. So if you are a new Christian, then you're just a babe in Christ. We understand that. But if you've been a Christian for any length of time, are you growing? If you have been in Christ for 25 years, do you know more today than you did 25 years ago? Do you know, do you know enough to sit down and teach somebody the gospel? Could you tell somebody what they need to do to worship God acceptably? Could you talk about the one church? Could you tell someone, biblically speaking, why we partake the Lord's Supper every first day of the week? These are just fundamentals. And if we've been in Christ for any length of period of time and we can't answer those questions, then it might be the case, well, it is the case. We need to do some more studying. We need to spend more time in the book. Isaiah said, Seek ye out the book of the Lord and read. To read and meditate on the truth of God. And we're going to talk about learning to meditate on the Scripture this afternoon. And I want to encourage you to bring a notebook with you, a pen, and take some notes. So are you a student of the Word of God? Are you an ongoing student? Listen, we never get to a point where we know it all. But we ought to be advancing in our knowledge in the kingdom of God. So how well equipped are you to teach the faith, to defend the faith? Fair question, isn't it? Number four, where do you stand as a steward? 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, Paul said that that which is required of a steward is that one be found Faithful. Did you know you are a steward of the time that you possess in this life? Now the psalmist said we might live to be 70 or 80 years of age, but it's soon cut off and we fly away. We're only going to be here for a limited amount of time, and we are a steward of the time that we have. The time that we lose can never be recovered. Paul said we need to redeem the time. Why? Because the days are evil. Remember what Jesus said, John chapter 9? I must work the works of Him who sent me while it is day. Why? The night's coming when no one can work. In other words, death's coming. I have a limited amount of time to engage in the Father's work, and I've got to do it to the best of my ability as long as I'm here on planet Earth. So with regard to your time, are you a wise steward of your time? Are you using it effectively every single day, or do you waste it? We're a steward of our time. Did you know that we are a steward of our talents? If you look around collectively in this assembly today, there's a vast array of talents among all of us. There's some of you that have talents that I will never have in my life. Never had, never will have. Those talents are unique to you. 
And there are talents that we possess, and the question is, are we using them to the glory of Almighty God? In Matthew chapter 25, when Jesus told the parable of the talents, He talked about the man that had five talents, two talents, one talent. But they were given those talents in proportion to their own ability. So are you maximizing the ability that you have to the glory of Almighty God? Yes or no? When you sit down and evaluate your life, can you say to the Lord, I'm doing everything I can to use the talent or ability that you've given me to your glory? It's a good question, isn't it? Fair question. Personal question. What a question we need to ask. So we talk about our time, our talents, and then our treasures. We express thanksgiving this morning that we have the opportunity to earn a living to provide for our family members. We don't take that lightly. But everything that we possess ultimately belongs to God, doesn't it? Didn't the psalmist say, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It all belongs to Him. I'm just using what He has given me to use as long as I am on this earth talking to a family member this week. Her mother died of Alzheimer's just a few years ago. And then her dad later had to go into a assisted living place in Germantown. And so she said that one of the things that they did was they sold their home. They auctioned their estate so that they might use some of that money to help pay for her dad's care. So she asked her dad, before they cleared everything out, she said, is there anything in particular that you want me to get for you? Now you just imagine, over the course of your life, how many things you've accumulated. All the treasures that you possess right now. You know what his response was? I just want my old Miss football ring. All the things that he possessed, that was the one thing above all that he wanted. The ring that he got when he played football. All these treasures we have, they're gone. When we die, they'll be distributed. We're not taking them with us. Paul said, we brought nothing into this world. It is certain we can carry nothing out. You believe that? Do you live by that code? At some point in time, everything that you possess, everything that you value is going to be given to somebody else. That's just the way it works in this world. So we're stewards of our time, our talents, and our treasures. And so, where do you stand? Where do you stand as a steward of the Lord? And then finally, where do you stand as a sower for the Lord? You remember Jesus did a lot of teaching by way of parables. One of the great things that Jesus taught was the parable of the sower. He talked about how the sower went out to sow seed. Now in Luke chapter 8, Jesus identified that seed as the Word of God, the Word of the Kingdom. 
Now, you can't sow what you don't know. But we have all been commanded. Listen to what Jesus said. This is, this is still good scripture. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Is he talking to just preachers? Just elders? Deacons? Song leaders? No, that applies to all. ALL. We are to all be sowing the seed of the kingdom. In Acts chapter 8, when we read about that persecution that swept the early church, and you remember the Bible says they were all scattered abroad with the exception of the apostles. And Luke said that those who were scattered abroad, here's what the text says, they went everywhere preaching the word. Are we not to be, are we not to be about preaching and teaching the word? Sowing the seed of the kingdom? Remember the song that we sing, Are you sowing the seed of the kingdom, brother? Are you? Look, the church will not grow unless we sow the seed of the kingdom. People cannot obey what they don't know. And we can't sow what we don't know. So how do we offset people that don't know what the Bible says? We've got to take the message to them, don't we? Didn't Jesus say it's written in the prophets, they shall all be taught by God? Who then is going to teach? We're to be the teachers, aren't we? We're to be the ones that sit down and teach others. So where do you stand as a sower of the seed of the kingdom of God? When we stand before God in eternity one day, wouldn't it be great if as we stand before the Lord, we look over and see somebody and they say, you know what, I'm a Christian because of, I was a Christian because of you. I became a member of the church because of the fact that you love me enough to teach me the gospel. So where do you stand? Listen again to what Paul said. Examine yourselves whether you're in the faith. They had put Paul under a microscope. And they were evaluating his apostleship. And so he flipped the script on them. He said, I tell you what, you examine yourselves. That heart-to-heart -heart talk. But the Lord Jesus Christ, if you were to have a heart-to-heart -heart with Him today and you're sitting across the table from Him and you just go down the list talking about the very things that we have discussed this morning, where would you stand? Where do you stand? I can't answer that question for you. I can answer that question for myself, but not for you. The Lord knows where you stand. The question is, do you know where you stand? Remember in Genesis chapter 3, following the fall of Adam and Eve, and God asked Adam in the long ago, Adam, where are you? The Lord didn't ask that for knowledge. He knew where Adam was. What God wanted Adam to think about was where he stood in his relationship to the Lord, the God of heaven. So where you stand? If you're not a Christian, I want to just say to you right now, in a kind and loving way, you are without hope. And you're without God. And if you die where you are, you will die in sin. And if you die in sin, Jesus said, where I am, there you cannot come. Jesus said in John chapter 12 at verse 26, 
If anyone serves me, let him follow me. He said, and where I am, my servant will be also. Anyone who serves me, he said, him, my father, will honor. When we stand before God, it's not going to go well if we haven't obeyed the gospel. The difference maker is the blood of Jesus. Paul said, but now in Christ Jesus, you that once were far off, brought near, made nigh by the blood of Christ. You need to believe Jesus is the Son of God. Repent of your sins, confess His name, and then be buried with Him in baptism. Well, why? To be saved, Mark 16, 16. To enjoy the forgiveness of your sins, Acts 2, 38. To become a member of the church, the body of Christ, the saved, Ephesians 5, 23. Then be faithful. That might be that you're here today. And upon further reflection, you realize there's some things that you need to get straight in your life. There's some things that you need to work out. Could we pray with you and for you today? God will abundantly pardon. We're here to pray with you and for you if that be your need. James said, confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love